You are listening to the Reese Way Podcast, the show that brings you real stories and tips on creating customers for life. I'm your host, Nick Coletti, and today we are talking about the transactional versus relationship sales culture and how to position our thinking and commentary on sales calls. I'm joined today by James Healy, the president of Plummet. But before we get to Jimmy, I want to take a minute to shout out some of the folks that are listening. Michael Bragg, the branch manager in Doorville, Georgia. I'm glad you're liking the content. And of course, Sasha Nikolic, our number one listener and CEO. Thank you, sir, for listening. And finally, Timothy Mills, our warehouse lead in Anaheim, California. Thanks for listening, bud. Well, welcome, Jimmy. I appreciate you making the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. I've listened to a few of these podcasts already, and I'm loving them. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, today I was hoping that we could focus a little bit more on the sales culture, as I know that's super near and dear to your heart. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Historically, as a company, I think we've really focused on the sale, right? And it's probably one of those things where the bigger, the better sale was what we were trying to hit on. From your perspective, let's talk a little bit about the difference between a transactional sales culture versus a relational sales culture. Great question to kick off with. For me, transactional selling is really based around short-term thinking, whereas relationship-based selling, which is what we want to do, is where the salesperson is really focused on creating and building upon long-term relationships and really having that long-term mindset. So I think you know a few examples would be the transactional-based salesperson would focus on meeting the price point, whereas the relationship-based salesperson our salesperson should be focused on adding value. I think the transactional salesperson, as I mentioned earlier, is often focused on winning the big project or the big sale, whereas the relationship-based salesperson should be focused on the customer, and that's always. And then I think the transactional mindset, you know, when things aren't going right, is quite often, you know, this guy's just wasting my time. You know, what am I doing here? Whereas the relationship-based salesperson, how we should be thinking, we should be thinking that an objection is more like an opportunity or a buying signal, I would say. So, you know, we're just doing the dance here and yeah, that's an objection, but I think that's actually potentially gonna lead to an opportunity. So I would say there's really clear differences in your mindset between the two. And I think that we should all really ask ourselves in the heat of battle, Am I being transactional here or am I truly focused on building this relationship and creating opportunities? And if we do that in the heat of battle, I think that we'll get a better outcome for Reese and more importantly for the customer. Yeah, no question. Some really, really great points. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, you've been able to get out in the market quite a bit and that's been great, obviously, to, to get back with the field teams. Tell me about some, maybe some transactional mindsets that you've seen in the network and, and while you've been out there traveling. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I think we, on the whole, we do it really well. And it's actually been great, Nick, to see the development of the sales team, I think in the last 12 to 18 months, since we've really rolled out the Selling the Raceway program and our sales guys have started to take some of those learnings on board. In saying that, I have actually cringed a few times uh, when I've been riding with some of our sales guys in the last few years. Um, I've seen salespeople, when met with a price objection, tell the customer, 
you know, why would I do that when there's no money in it for me? And I also regularly hear us talk about price, like we're almost sucked into thinking that's the only thing that matters on that project. So I think that's an issue for us in some pockets, but I think we're getting a lot better. And I've also seen us in some examples, even with our largest customers, we only have some sort of relationship with the procurement team. And I would call that transactional as well. So not having relationships with the directors and the project managers, for example, for me, that's transactional thinking and short-sightedness. I would call that poor stakeholder management. I think Morsco and Reese, like we need to hold relationships with the large customers at all levels. And if we're really only dealing with the procurement team, it's always just going to come back to price no matter how strong the relationship is. So that's transactional, short-sightedness and limited sales thinking in my mind as well. Yeah, you bring up some really good points there. And certainly pretty much everything that you said, the relationship kept coming back. And and obviously uh, to your point earlier, we've been, we've been developing this for a while. It's an evolution, it's gonna take some time. But really on the positive side, I think you, you also mentioned that we've seen some really good relationship sales culture in the market. And talk to me about some of those examples of, of when we've actually seen that happen and evolve and, and your impact on that. Nick, there's been lots of good stuff. I could reel off a ton of examples of where I've seen some really strong relationship-based selling. Probably a couple of weeks ago, I was out in the Carolinas actually with David Summerdahl, our branch manager at Raleigh. And David and his team have been working closely with a customer for years, a large mechanical customer, really trying to cultivate the relationship and, and add value by doing things like creating takeoffs, sourcing various product lines. You know, I think sometimes even like value engineering product, swapping product out for the customer for other product that we know could be more profitable for them if they were to install it. So a lot of relationship and, you know, really good uh, sales culture type stuff. We had a large job recently out there that the customer was due to award. And after working on this for like, 12, 18 months with the customer, David got feedback through a vendor that a competitor was about to come in at the last minute, undercut us on price and try and take the project out from under our nose. So I think the first point there is about relationship-based selling is David's got a relationship with the vendor, not just his customer, that has enabled him to get good quality feedback from the vendor about what's happening in the market, which helps our position and potentially helps the customer as well. So that's probably the first point. Um, I think David then called the director of the customer's business and said, I just really like the approach he used. He said, hey, look, Ralph, I just need some advice here. I understand that one of our competitors is trying to come in and undercut us. And you know that we've partnered on, you, on this project with you for over 12 months. And uh, I just want to get your thoughts. And the director was taken aback because he didn't realize this and David has a relationship with him. And so Ralph, the director said, look, I know we've partnered on this for the last 12 months at least, and we've both worked really hard on it. Let me just check what my procurement team is doing and I'll give you a buzz back. So a bit of time went by and I think on the same day, Ralph called back David and reiterated what he told him 
on the first call and just said, hey, look, we've worked hard on this for a long period of time. There's no way that I'm going to allow my team to give the project to the competitor based on price after everything that you've done for us over the last 12 months. So we picked up a $600,000 order on the back of that great relationship-based selling, strong stakeholder management in having relationships with multiple people, not just the procurement guys. And I think that was fantastic. A really good example in my mind, Nick. And I think, you know, quite often we get caught only dealing with the procurement team. And this was a great example where that stakeholder management really helped us get the win. Great point. And you bring up the vendor. I think sometimes we realize that our sales force, we've got a really, really talented sales force out there. And, and something that sometimes I step back and realize is that those relationships with the vendors, you know, sometimes can be as important, right? And, and, and help us, you know, kind of guide us along the way as we're trying to, trying to work through that. So using that as an example, why in general should we be implementing a relationship-based sales culture? And, and what are your thoughts on that? And, and maybe some of the benefits of doing that down the road. Well, I just think it's because we're in a people-based business, you know, and people see through the transactional mindset. You know, people don't like to be used. And I'm talking about customers here. So, so it's about being consistent in your approach. And, you know, when, you've, when you contact a customer regularly, legitimately and genuinely interested in the relationship, I think the customer feeds off that. And when you've got that level of consistency, I think that builds trust and we know that trust builds relationships and relationships help build business. So I would say that that is why we need to have that mindset. Yeah, I think it's a great point and it's transferable, right? I've been doing this a long time. There's salespeople that have been out there a short time and, and sometimes they get in a trap, right? They think, hey, I, you know, I just need to make sure I get them the right price and I get it back to them quick. And a lot of times as they're asking some of these questions and kind of going down these roads, they realize that they've actually developed a really, really strong relationship. And then it's just really the approach with the customer to, you know, to not go back to that and, and make it about price. And, and it leads me to my next point, which is I don't think it matters if you've been on the road for 20 years or, or you've been on the road for a year, who should be implementing this, right? And maybe that's the, the next question I'll throw at you. I guess the obvious response is, all of our sales team should be using it, but you, you got to think outside the box here as well. And we all should be using it. Every single team member at Morsco, at Reese, should be thinking about using a relationship-based or having a relationship-based mindset. So, and even our support center uh, people, you know, so those guys all deal with us as their internal customers as well. Our support center team members should be applying this approach with us, uh, with us in the branch network and vice versa. We should also be working on the relationships with our support center colleagues out in the network as well. So, so we just should be thinking this way as leaders, you know, am I building a relationship with every member of my team or am I just using them for their services? So we think about it in terms of customer relationships, but I also think it's relevant for our internal relationships within the business as well, Nick. And I think that if we do have that mindset, it goes a long way to helping us build a stronger culture overall, not just in sales. Well, there's no question. I think you, you hit on it earlier as far as the customer base, but how powerful is it from a trust standpoint when we're working with 
you know, with our associates as well. We want them to to be able to trust us. And I think that's, you know, that's definitely a, a great call out. So as we're going through this, and again, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, it takes a while to wrap our heads around kind of the mindset. And I know me personally, it, it was interesting as we went through selling the Reeseway and we've got countless examples in the field from, from all of our team about, you know, kind of that mindset and using it. And I know personally, I had to transition. I had to get myself out of that thought of, hey, when the guys came to me or the, you know, the, the team came to me and said, hey, what do we do on this price? You know, my first instinct was, hey, I'm going to call the vendor and get a better price or, you know, right. let's let's see what we need to do to meet the price. Right. So that yeah. was a that was a mindset that I had for the longest time. And and so I had to make a transition there. Talk to me a little bit about that transition and, and kind of making that shift. I think what you what you've articulated there with us is fantastic. You caught yourself doing it and you correct it you know rather than offering advice around how we should transition because advice is just based off personal experiences you know my personal experiences and i think we'd be better off prompting all our sales guys and all our sales leaders just to ask themselves a few questions so i think number one would be what am i really striving for here you know what am i trying to achieve here with this customer or this group of customers this year and we should be having these conversations with our sales guys as RVPs and sales managers and our sales, our outside sales guys should really be looking to have these conversations with their leaders as well. You know, is it sales growth? Is it margin growth? Or is it a better relationship with the customer? Is it better stakeholder management like we talked about earlier? So I think that's the first thing we need to do and we should have rhythms in place with our leaders to be having those conversations and we should be documenting what our goals are. And then I think the second question we should be asking ourselves is, you know, what are the habits or routines that I need to be doing daily, weekly, monthly or quarterly to really achieve those goals? You know, do I have a call routine? Uh, have I learned how to use Salesforce to the best of my advantage yet? Am I taking the time to review that stakeholder management? Does the RVP, or Sasha or Jimmy know the directors of my key customers. You know, can I get them to build a relationship with the customer as well? Am I just dealing with the procurement team? What are my opportunities here? So I think there's a lot of habits and routines that we can potentially discuss with our leaders uh, to get into. Not a lot, I shouldn't say a lot, just a couple of simple routines. And then I think the third question we should be asking ourselves is, you know, if we're not already in those routines and applying those relationship-based models, what changes do I need to make? You know, and then just commit to the changes. And I think we can ask ourselves those three key questions and commit to making a couple of minor changes to help us grow the relationships, grow the relationship with our customers. I think we'll all be in a great spot. You know, the points you made about, you know, small changes, right? It's like eating an elephant, right? You just one bite at a time. And and a lot of people, I think, look at, at you know, the, the way that selling the Reese Way is laid out and, and how we do this. And it really, it's a series of just minor adjustments and minor tweaks and turns because we've got some really talented salespeople, you know, whether it's Sasha or yourself or, you know, in the field, on the counter and, and I think those minor little adjustments can really make a big difference and it, and it really will help us get kind of out of that transactional mindset and into that relationship selling mode, uh, which I think will help us down the road for, 
uh, for years to come, for sure. Yeah, we, we love getting out in the field and calling on the customers. And, you know, it's, it's why we started in this business, the same as you. What we did, I know you, you spent time as an outside salesperson early on in your career. I spent plenty of time uh, in sales, you know, the majority of my career, so, so has Mark. So we really relish the opportunity to get out in front of the customers and we love providing them with an update on the supply chain, things like, you know, the economic environment that we're in. And we find that our customers get a lot of value out of that. So yeah, please, I just encourage everyone in the, in the network to ask your senior leaders to jump on calls with you when you think we can add value and, and we'll make it happen. We'll move heaven and earth to make sure we can call on those customers with you. Jimmy, it's a great point, and I want to close it out today with what I've kind of closed out most of the sessions with, which is how important Salesforce becomes to that process, right? As yourself or, you know, Sasha or Adam or Mark are, are out in the marketplace and, you know, we've got those those relationships, it's great, right? But if they are captured in there, how important is, is it for you to be out on a, on a sales call? Maybe you just happen to run into a customer on the counter or or maybe you've, you've scheduled something to have that information kind of captured in the Salesforce. And what's that mean to a sales call for you? It just means we can be a lot more efficient because we don't have to spend as long preparing back at the branch or, or at home the night before. All of the information that we need to hold an effective call is now in the palm of our hand, which is cool. Those economic and supply chain updates that I talked about, supplier price increase notifications, all of those things that could potentially add value, add real value to a customer on a call, they're now in Salesforce, in your phone, in the palm of your hand. So you could actually pull up to the customer's office, get your phone out and create your agenda before you walk into the meeting and find two, three, four, ten different bits of uh, value adds that you could weave into the conversation that the customer would get a lot out of. Now, we'd like you to prepare uh, back at the office if time permits, but everything is in the palm of your hand now. So I think uh, I think that's the benefit of Salesforce moving forward. Well, and it's it's really on the heels of what we've been talking about today with uh, you know transactional versus relationship sales culture is that you walk into an account prepared with a lot of information, you know, how much more trust does that build with the customer that they're not having to to retell you everything else that that they've told every salesperson or every every one of our teammates that are in the business. So uh, I think that's a great point. Well, Jimmy, I want to thank you today for joining us, and obviously uh, really happy that you've been out in the marketplace. A lot of great stories, and uh, we're excited to uh, to continue to drive this sales culture that's built on relationships. And thanks again for your time. Thanks, Nick. Happy selling, everyone.